We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of The Cast Next Door. I'm your host, Josh, and normally I am a host on the regular episodes, but since Darren is taking over the hosting duties uh, for the middle episodes, he asked me if I would be happy enough to handle the bonus episodes, and I said I would. So I am here today with Jonathan, who was most recently heard on episode 47, discussing minute 46. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Hello, I'm doing good. Great. Good to hear it. So your minute that you recently talked about with uh, Darren was pretty violently profane. Mm-hmm. So like that was the one sort of moment when I was watching this movie originally that sort of came out of nowhere because even though, and I think you guys touched on this during during your minute together, that even though it is an R-rated movie, aside from the sex that we see earlier in the film, there's really not anything too explicit throughout. No. And then when Noah shows up and is like yelling at her that she's a whore and it kind of comes out of nowhere and it's really sort of <laughs> upset me almost in a way. Yeah, and to its credit, it kind it kind of works a little bit, you know, catching you off guard like that. Yeah, I would say I would say you're right. I think that that's a moment where if you weren't 100 percent sure that something was not quite right about Noah, that was a moment that sort of let you know, yeah, this this is probably not a a good thing because I think moments before your uh, minute that you were just on starts, he's in his room, I think, looking through, I think he's trying to read the Iliad maybe, and he's having, (laughs) he's having a hard time and having, having all these flashbacks to his time with, with JLo's character. And he's upset because, her ex-husband is is staying over the night, and so that sort of leads to this giant blow-up the next morning. But, you know, I, I guess you're right. To the film's credit, it does sort of help you understand that, oh, this guy is not a, a good guy. There might be something seriously wrong with this, uh, this situation that, that these characters have found themselves in. So let's talk about a little bit uh, about the film as a whole. Uh, you were previously on earlier minutes, I believe uh, minutes five through eight. So if anyone would like to go back and listen to those, they definitely should. But let's sort of get your opinions on the movie as a whole. What did you think overall the first time you watched this? It throws a lot of information at you really fast, which is a good thing, I I suppose, for a movie this bland and boilerplate and by the numbers. You know, it's nice to have things move along as quickly as possible. But then on the other hand, you also can't help but thinking, you know, if they had added like 10 or maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes to the runtime, you know, I feel like we would have gotten to know these characters a little better. So you're saying that you wish that The Boy Next Door was actually 105 <laughs> minutes and not 90. 
Uh, I don't know. Darren will kill you. (laughs) You want him to edit 105 episodes? No, of course not. But I don't know. It would have been a a little bit more... It would would have been more fulfilling. I I get what you're saying, though. I think it was remarked upon in, in a lot of the earlier minutes, but the movie does sort of throw you in to the world very quickly yeah and you know we're we're given the situation but we have no idea who these characters are though i'm i'm trying to think of a some other you know movie or tv show that does this better you know if they if they just had like a couple extra minutes devoted to character development i feel like we we would come away viewing this movie you know with richer characters which i it sounds like it's asking a lot but i i feel like there are minimum requirements that this movie could meet as far as characters go well i think you're right i think that probably this movie was initially longer and i know that others have talked about deleted scenes that are on the dvd and whatnot but i think that Probably this was one of those types of movies that the studio had in its mind. This is going to be a 90-minute thriller. We're going to be able to show it a lot throughout the day. Uh, it can have multiple screenings, you know, and because, of course, the shorter your movie is, the more times it can show in the theater and the more money you can make. So I feel like this was one of those studio-mandated things where perhaps this movie was 100 minutes or 105 minutes at some point and just throughout the editing process got cut down because that minute that early scene where we sort of get that info dump and, and Jayla's running through the the woods and you get those really f- those quick flashes of scenes between her and John Corbett and the acting is really bad in those scenes the way that the lines are delivered yeah. is really rough and I feel like maybe the longer version of that scene might have been better mm-hmm. but th- there's some really like strange line readings <laughs> in those scenes that you you get and it's all very quick so you don't have time to really rest on it but but the way that people are are sort of blatantly expressing their feelings, yeah. the way that humans yeah. don't do, it, it felt like those might have been reshoots even. Like the studio saw the longer scene, the you know, 10-minute scene or a flashback or something that comes later. And they're like, no, 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 we don't have time for this. We need to keep the action moving forward. We need to get to the sex scene faster. We need to get to Noah's break faster. So take your longer 10 minute scene of their breakup and cut it up and put it in the opening credits and make this thing move a lot quicker than it is. And I think you're right though. If, if they had had maybe a little bit longer time period with these characters, then maybe you would feel something more, but right now they're sort of all kind of cardboard in a way, like they're they're very cookie cutter in terms of who they are. I'm going against what I ri- originally said now, but having a longer runtime wouldn't have fixed problems with the script, which is at the core of most of this movie's problems. It's a very sort of standard thriller plot. Mm-hmm. There's that sort of towing the line in a way, like, oh, it's a student and a teacher, but he's still an adult. So, you know, we're not being too risque with it there probably could have been work done on the script that potentially made it a little bit better or maybe maybe it made it a little bit more original. Mm-hmm. Some of the actors realize that they're in a different movie or they think that they're in a different movie. Like, for instance, the titular boy next door, Noah, in in my minutes with Tim and, and Shannon, we discuss sort of how the actor playing him, Ryan Guzman, seems to think that he's in a different type of movie and is playing yeah. it a little bit more over the top and seems yeah. to be having a little bit more fun with the role. But nobody else is coming to his level. 
So it it never really achieves maybe the craziness that it could. Yeah. <laughs> Although the movie does get pretty crazy in some moments. Uh, I mean, for instance, the brutal beating that kid gets at school and and pretty much nothing happens to Noah at all throughout the, the rest of the movie as far as that's concerned. Other bad things happen, but as a result of him nearly killing this kid and actually putting him in a coma, nothing seems to really happen to him. Doesn't really surprise me. I mean, Kristen Chenoweth is pretty... Uh, she could care less about her job. She... I think she cares as much about being at school than probably most of the other kids do. <laughs> so, okay, so you you think obviously the movie could maybe use a little bit more time, yeah. maybe a slightly tweaked script. Anything else stood out to you? Was there anything that that was like, oh, that's kind of interesting that they did that? This is really random and specific, but this is actually closer to the end. So, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie, it's later revealed to us that Noah's parents were killed in a car accident. And when J-Lo was talking to the detective, it's kind of funny how open he is and how much detail he's giving him about the case. And for some reason, I also found it funny that they had kept the charred remains of their car. <laughs> you know, it sounded like the way he put it, it was an open and shut case, but they just kept the body of the car. And then it's also kind of funny. It's like how pretty much the detective's response to the whole case is, well, these things happen. You know, it <laughs> says that their brakes were broken or something. And he's like, oh, well, the husband had a long history of DUIs, so we can just assume that. <laughs> Like, yeah, that, no. that scene that scene uh, definitely stood out to me because that was the one moment, I th- I'm pretty sure that was the one moment in the film where J-Lo's character, Claire, had the opportunity to essentially tell someone everything that had happened up to that point, and she chose not to do it. And she very easily could have said, hey, this couple who died, their son is now living next door to me. Some crazy things have been happening. I had sex with him. Maybe I shouldn't have done that and now he's being really crazy and I think I might be in danger my son might be in danger can you come check that out like that would have taken maybe five minutes to explain the situation yeah and it would have wrapped up the movie of course so obviously they didn't want to do that but it just seemed weird that she didn't take that opportunity when it presented itself and that was to me speaks to sort of a larger problem with the writing and how her character is sort of treated throughout the movie yeah early on she goes on that really awful blind date when the guy is incredibly lewd and she stands up for herself and says, no, I'm not going to sit here and put up with this because you're being a jerk. And so she leaves and you're like, all right, cool. This lady is in charge of herself. She knows what she wants. She's not going to put up with some douchebag guy Yeah, and she's going to take charge of her life. And then as the movie goes on, they sort of wear that down so that's no longer a part of who she is. She sort of loses her strength as the movie goes on to make her this stereotypical scared woman Mm -hmm. until the end when obviously she fights back, but that's how those movies go. So you sort of expect her to fight back at some point. You get to this point where she could make an effort and stop Noah earlier, and she just chooses not to. And it, it was like weird because it's like, what are they trying to say about her character? Is it that she might still have feelings for Noah or she doesn't want to believe that he did this, even though he's already presented some really crazy actions and behavior at the, up to this point, but yet she still hasn't done anything about it. So I don't know. It just seemed very weird the way the movie 
treats her as it goes along. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one reason that she doesn't do much of anything at first is because the ball is definitely in Noah's court. Um, you know, her career is on the line. Um, she could, you know, if she went to anyone, she could face uh, legal problems. But I'm not a parent or anything. And it's hard to say, you know, how someone would react to kind of situation. I, I, I don't have a great understanding of human psychology but if I was a parent and my kid's safety was on the line because of something I did you know I would I, I would just go ahead and go to the police about it they make great pains to point out that Noah is an adult yeah so the sex while probably inappropriate simply because of the relationship that Noah has with her son and that gets into a very weird territory you know you shouldn't do that regardless of that what she did was not illegal no so while it might be inappropriate while she might get suspended from her job at school it seems like the things that she's willing to cover up and not mention are pretty minor in the grand scheme of what could potentially happen mm-hmm. so if she's worried that Noah may have actually killed his parents because of whatever weird moral code he has if she's worried that that may be the case and still says nothing it just seems very strange to me and it seems like a very terribly underwritten character yeah all right so i know darren has sort of touched on this briefly in some of his bonus episodes so i'll touch on it here as well what do you think could happen with a potential sequel to the boy next door well you know what would most likely happen is that it would it'd be like the Children of the Corn franchise where, you know, it's just a different movie, different plot with none of the original characters. But I think what would be really cool, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone else has posited this, is if like Noah keeps coming back like like I don't know, Jason or something. That's such a middle school answer, but if he kept coming back and like all his wounds rehealed and then <laughs> and then uh Actually, Darren did did bring that up, I think, in one oh, of the previous oh, really? bonus episodes with Dre. But but he mentioned that Noah would have an eye patch at this point <laughs> simply because he loses an eye at the end of the movie. And then probably that what would happen at the end of the third or at the end of the second film, he would also lose his other eye. <laughs> So he would come back in the third movie with with the uh, stereotypical blind guy glasses on, but still yeah. could somehow track Claire. Yeah, every movie he would seduce a different woman. I don't know what the story possibilities would be for this, if they got all supernatural or something like that. No, I think that could work. I mean, it, it sort of takes on a um, I know what you did last summer feel, because the first two are very much grounded in reality. Well, with the exception of a guy being shot a bunch of times and thrown in the water and still being able to come after you again the next year. But then the third movie, which I think went straight to DVD or something, there was a supernatural element. It didn't follow the storyline of the first two films, but there was a ghost involved, but it was still the hook-handed fisherman. So, yeah, bring Noah back in the second one with an eye patch. He's out for blood. He's almost an unstoppable killing machine. And then in the third film, maybe he gets killed at the end of part two. And in the third film, he's a ghost and he's haunting some other person for some reason. <laughs> we don't explain why JLo's not in it. Of course, she would not be in the sequel either. It would be someone who looks yeah. like her, kind of like they did with the uh with the cell 
sequel. Yeah. You know, J-Lo obviously was not in that, so they got someone that looked kind of like her. I never saw the sequel, so I don't know if it was supposed to be the same character or just a woman that reminded audiences of J-Lo. So that would be what they would do. They'd get another actress, maybe even the actress from the Cell sequel, to play <laughs> to play Claire Peterson in the Boy Next Door sequel. She would be hunted down by Ryan Guzman because he would come back because he's still an up-and-coming actor. He's getting yeah. more parts here and there, but he's still rising in the ranks, so he's not above coming back for a, a sequel, potentially. And then, then he would go after her... And he would get thrown into like a wood thresher or something horrible. Or, uh, you know, he would get ground up by a motor or something very similar to the first movie. And then, uh, yeah, the third one, he'd be a ghost. Yeah. So maybe he's after like, maybe he would be after Claire's son in, yeah. the, in the third movie. Yeah. I kind of miss the world of direct-to-video uh, <laughs> sequels. That, that seemed to crop up a lot in sort of the late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> and I, I do think that this movie could be one uh, that would that would work for that. Even and and Darren also has brought up in other episodes the the idea of doing it sort of like the the wild things uh, films, which are which have wild things two, three and four, I think even. But they don't have any of I don't think they have any of the same actors. I don't think they have any kind of connection to one another other than they basically recycle the story mm-hmm. over and over again, just tell it in slightly different ways. So, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a possibility for a boy next door franchise, which is uh, essentially just another group of films following this similar sort of scenario. Yeah. I'd watch that. Well, if it's on Netflix, of course. <laughs> well, I, I think it's almost assured that it would not be in the theater. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think... I mean, this movie was was successful, and I think it was a hit. Uh, it did it did very well in the box office, because I think it oh, was yeah. released in you know late January. In January, typically, that's kind of the dumping ground for movies that maybe couldn't have opened well in other times of the year, and so that was probably one of the only viable options for for people at the time and so of course it did pretty well and and JLo still got some box office draw probably yeah and i think that you know people liked the idea of of a uh, sort of s- sexy thriller cuz i don't know if we've really had a whole lot of those recently but if we have i don't i don't really know much about them i guess it's not a genre that i seek out so i'm sure <laughs> that there are people listening right now saying you idiot there were 17 movies released in 2014 <laughs> that fit the idea of sexy thriller. So I also thought too, like uh, I, I, when I watched the boy next door the first time, I remember saying to myself, Oh, this kind of in a way reminds me of the guest a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's a very sort of similar kind of style going on there. We have this uh, sort of mysterious, enigmatic, hunky guy who mm-hmm. shows up mysteriously and yeah. he sort of ingratiates himself into this family's life. Yeah. Uh, you know, Noah, much like the, the character in the guest, it, it becomes friends with the, with the young son. Uh, he has obviously Claire and, and uh, the, the main female lead and the guest kind of have the same similar sort of role. Although there's no, uh, there's no sex in the guest case, but, just the the interactions and the way they work, and, and it made me think like, wow, what if Noah is some sort of brainwashed 
uh, government assassin. <laughs> and <laughs> this movie takes a strange turn about three-fourths of the way through. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, they can pursue that in one of the one of the uh, potential sequels. Yeah. So, has this been your first podcast that you've been on? Um, I was on one episode of a talking cast. Um, oh, okay. So just talk about that. Like, uh, what what's it been like being a uh, being a podcaster? I always find those stories interesting. What people's first times were like, and what they what they thought, and and how a talking cast is compared to being on a cast next door. Oh man, it, the first time was it was pretty horrifying. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not, uh, this is revealing a lot about myself, but I'm not. <laughs> we've turned into, we've turned into WTF. I'm <laughs> your personal Mark Maron. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not a really huge fan of my own voice. Um, you know, I, I've been struggling with social anxiety for a long time, you know, more personal stuff there. Sorry. But, uh, you know, I've been trying to just put myself out there and just not be afraid to just, you know, not to let the. Uh, my own personal fears get in the way of doing things I like, which is, you know, one of them is talking about movies and, you know, I've, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for about two years now and, you know, they always make it sound so easy, but, but then when I get, you know, when I step in front of the microphone, it's, you know, it, it's, it's pretty different. So, you know, it's, I've definitely, you know, if I'm going to do anything like this in the future, I've got a lot of, you know, improvements to to do, but... Well, but. We're, we're glad that you're doing it on this show, because <laughs> I think that, and I understand totally where you're coming from, the first time that I, I guessed it on an episode of Talking Cast, which was the first podcast that I was on, it was a very sort of mortifying experience, because you don't know what to expect, and I think most people have that same sort of distaste for their own voice but i think they get used to it after you've done this for a while you sort of get used to how you sound especially for me because i typically edit the episodes that i host and so i get used to hearing my voice a lot and it's really nice to deal with sort of social anxieties in this format because while you are talking to another person you are still in your room or wherever your computer is Mm -hmm. and so you sort of have that combination of the private and the public. I think that, that this is a really awesome way for, for people to uh, open themselves up to the outside world and, and do things that are maybe a little bit different and, and challenging. I think it's, it's awesome that you are contributing to this show. And, and I think it's great that this show exists because it provides a, an, uh, a space for a bunch of different people to come together and talk about something. And now we're getting very touchy-feely and very <laughs> emotional and not at all what this, uh, this podcast is supposed to be about. Oh, my gosh. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about, about the movie or just about your episode or, or anything in general? I think we've pretty much dried up the well as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank you very much, Jonathan, for being my guest on this bonus episode of The Cast Next Door. And I want to thank everyone out there for listening to this bonus episode. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. This is a first edition?